welcome back everybody to Beauty and the Screams. This is Jennifer. And this is Emily. And we are Beauty and the Screams. We are Beauty and the Screams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is Super Bowl Sunday. And the Buccaneers won. Congratulations. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care at all. I just use Super Bowl as an excuse to drink and hang out with people. I pretty much do the same. Jennifer's having to endure me sitting next to her in a sports bra and pants because I'm hot as hell. Mm. And not in a good way. You guys should be envious. So I want to start off by saying I had thought I'd start out on a strong point. Okay, so I had this plan for the next time we record. I was going to have this like empowering speech about I deleted Tinder, fuck dudes. And then I had this like second wind, like a second coming. And I was like, no, I ain't deleting Tinder. I mean, I deleted it. I deactivated my account, but I made a bumble. Mm. I did. And I've actually been enjoying bumble a lot more then I had been enjoying Tinder because of the fact that the girl messages first. Well, yeah, and not only that, but didn't you say that, like, they put on their profile, like, what they're looking for? So, like, yes. you know, like, before you even message somebody, like, what you're getting into when you talk to them. Yes, they'll have on there, are you looking for something casual? You don't know what you're looking for. Are you looking for a relationship? They literally have you put your astrological sign. You could put whether you want kids or not or whether you have them already. Like, you put your height, which is a huge thing for me because it's always what scares me because I'm such a, like, average female height that it scares me because you never know what these dudes, like, are they going to be, like, five foot four? Am I going to be, um... What's his name? Oh, you could get married to Tyrion. Yeah, Tyrion. <laughs> I would marry Tyrion. Yeah, I could but see no. that. But no, so I made a bumble, and that's been going decent. Um, a lot of people don't respond to my original interactions, and I think that's rude, because why did you even swipe right on me if you didn't ever want to talk to me? But, I mean, I'm really good at sending, like, gifts of somebody, like, sliding in and being, like, sliding into your DMs. Or, like, ask, I asked a dude how much a polar bear weighs, and he said he didn't know how much. And I said, enough to break the ice. Then I asked another dude if he could be any kind of pasta, what kind he would be. He never responded. <laughs> Leave it to you to use cheesy pickup lines on guys. <laughs> at least I didn't message anybody being, like... They say beauty's on the inside, but you wouldn't know how beautiful I am because you've never been inside of me. Gross. This is literally why it's so frustrating to me. Like, I feel like guys act like they want this, like, quirky, bubbly, like, outspoken person. Like, they're so attracted to these, like, fictional characters that are like that. But when you're actually presented with somebody like that, I feel like... It's like barf. Me? No, like, people acting like that. No, I said, oh, like, like they want that quirky person? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I would rather have somebody message me asking me what kind of... It's okay. I'd rather have somebody message me asking me what kind of pasta I thought I would be. Like, some kind of question that actually makes you think. Not just, like, a generic, like, hey, 
I ain't gonna just pop it and be like, hey, I did only send one guy. So I have a question. What? What's the answer to that supposed to be? What? The pasta one. I don't know. I just want to know what people think that they would be as a pasta. I would be a fake noodle. I would be an impasta. What are those ones that are like macaroni noodles, but it's like two macaroni noodles stuck together and they're like twisted? Oh, I don't know. That would be me. Two macaroni noodles twisted and stuck together. That's Jennifer. Yep. If she ever gets divorced, that'll be on her dating profile. It will. (laughs) If I was a pasta, I would be those two noodles that are stuck together and twisted. I don't know. I mean, I probably would figure out what the actual <laughs> name is before I put that on my profile. But. So that's the kind of pasta you would be. I feel like I'd be like, um, maybe like a jumbo shell. I imagine you as either being one of those like florets where they look like flowers, where they're the rings. Oh, yeah. Or. <gasps> or I would be some of that fun macaroni and cheese. That's all the fun shapes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say we're like Spongebob macaroni. <laughs> I was going to say maybe like unicorn macaroni. I don't know if that's a thing, but if it's not, it should be. <sighs> I'm literally sweating so bad. Didn't they used to have Barbie macaroni and cheese? Oh, I'm sure they did. Didn't we have that when we were kids? Oh, I'm sure they did. Probably had some Looney Tunes shit. Oh, Looney Tunes. And Tiny Tunes. They're tiny. They're toony. They're all a little loony. Mm-hmm. Cartoony invading your TV. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Tinder's been going, gone. Sorry, Tinder wasn't. Tinder's important. Tinder's going, going, gone. Tinder, and... I'm over Tinder because of the fact that I feel like Tinder is a waste of fucking time. I have wasted my time. Like I personally associate Tinder with hookups. like hookups. Yeah, well, that's what I've been hoping for, but deep down, Mama knows she's not capable of a hookup. I mean, I'm capable, but people probably don't want to know what will happen after that hookup. You right. Because then I'm dream- making plans about our future. I'm, like, planning out our wedding, like, what our colors will be, com- what will look best with us compared to your eye color versus my eye color and our hair color. What's going to look best? Will we have a beautiful baby? <laughs> Not that we're going to have a baby, but if we were to accidentally have a baby, would it be attractive? I think that that goes on in, like, every woman's head. Like, it's part of, like, the natural selection aspect of continuing on your genetics. Like, you're supposed to, like, without even knowing that that's what you're looking for, supposed to be like, mm, I could see us having cute babies. Like I told mm. Melissa today that if she had a kid, I think it'd be ugly. I said, because you're too attractive. Uh, It'd be an ugly-ass baby. Oh, So she said, so you're saying you'd have an attractive baby? And I said, yeah, I am. Just ugly enough. Uh, Y'all are such bitches to each other, and I fucking love it. I know, that's like downstairs when Melissa was joking about dying in her sleep, and Mom's like, that's not even funny at all. And I'm like, I mean, a little bit funny. Like, a tiny bit, but not a lot, just a little bit. Oh, that's great. So we celebrated Super Bowl, kind of. We basically just used it as an opportunity to spend time together because really we didn't even pay a lick of attention to the game. Yeah, the only person that watched the game from start to finish was David. (laughs) Yeah. 
But we sat and talked, whatever, had some family time. Mom made tacos. We all had some drinks. My brain just keeps going, they're tiny, they're toony, they're all a little loony. And in this cartoon, you were invading your TV. But anyway, this is episode 52. 52, baby. A big five, two, five, two, fifty-two, baby. Um, do we have anything cool to update people on? Jennifer has been selling a lot of her products. People have been ordering custom stuff from her on Etsy. That's pretty exciting. I... Recently started a new job. That's a new thing. Um, Other than that, my life's not very exciting. I go tomorrow for my second round of my um, COVID vaccination, which is so funny to me that now we have a COVID vaccine, but there's like three more strains of it now. So, really, is it helping? Is it going to... I don't know. I mean, it depends. Like, it still could potentially, like lessen the symptoms that you get probably i would assume if it's all related to each other but well and it scares me because so many people have been but that's all the vaccine is like the vaccine doesn't keep you from getting sick it just keeps you from getting really sick when you get it well people too have been saying like they've had really bad reactions to the second round like they've gotten really sick but listen, I already had the corona. Well, Gabby said that she'd had both her shots already and that, like, she feels fine, so... Well, I saw Lydia had posted that she was really sick. But, like, she, um, she had a different shot than what a lot of other people had, because she had the, the Pfizer shot instead of the, um, Moderna, Medi- however you say that other mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But yeah, COVID chat tomorrow. Stay tuned to see if I'm still alive or a zombie next week. Which one did you get the first time? Did you get the Pfizer or did you get the Moderna? I don't know. I just got shot. Did they give you a card? Yeah. Because it should say on the card. Oh, well, it probably says on the card. It's in my glove compartment so I didn't <laughs> lose it. Because I knew I'd have to drive wherever I was going so I knew I'd have it with me. But yeah, I'm getting the last of it tomorrow. At 12.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's about it. Nothing new, nothing cool. <laughs> My fucking cat ripped ass twice in the past week. And it has literally brought my soul so much joy. I mean, he farted like a grown man. Like a grown man. Like he ripped his asshole. That's what it sounded like. I was amazed. And then when he did it again, if that, like a week later, I was even more amazed. Do you have anything that you want to talk about, Jennifer? Um, no. I don't have much else to talk about either, but I'm really excited for this topic. So I feel like I should just tell you guys to check out the PFPN so you guys can check it out and then you can listen to what we're going to talk about because it's fun. It's very fun. I don't know if it's okay. I thought it was fun. But also, it's tragic. (laughs) Tragic. 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 So check out the PFPN, y'all.
You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. This week on Beauty and the Screams, we discuss crimes of passion. I chose this topic because of the fact that Valentine's Day is coming, so I thought doing some crimes of passion would be awesome because I'm into the whole true crime shit, I'm into people doing crazy shit because they're passionate, I'm into it, I'm here for it, (laughs) and guess who, and guess what, goes first right now, Jennifer goes first right now, that's me, that's her, so... To kick things off, I am going to take you on a journey to New Hampshire. Take me on a journey to New Hampshire. So, on September 19th of this past year, so, mm-hmm. you know, 2020. So, really, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. A husband discovered that his 30-year-old wife was having an affair. His 30-year-old wife was having an affair? His 30-year-old wife was having an affair. What a treacherous bitch. So... He kidnapped her 25-year-old boyfriend and shot him to death in a car and hid the body at a campsite in northern New Hampshire. Damn. So, police have since charged the husband with capital murder and have also charged the wife with falsifying evidence. Oh, she knew what happened? So, oh, just wait. So, the husband has also been charged with beating his wife, and she told <clears throat> she told police that her husband forced to slice or forced her to slice Emerald's wrists, which is her boyfriend's last name, by the way. They've like the articles I was reading from, like some of them didn't list their names because they're like supposed to be anonymous and some of them listed names. So, I went with a uh, combo. Yeah. So, her husband had forced her to slice Amaralt's wrists while he was still alive, and he also forced her to cut off and bury his head after he died. Good God. Yeah. Like, is it that serious? You got chopped the dude's head off? He's already dead. So, I didn't use the the couple's names at all because the woman had not wanted to be identified because she had suffered an extreme amount of abuse from her husband. And the woman's lawyer said that anything that she did, like, she was under extreme duress when she did it for fear of her life. I I understand that. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't understand it, but I get it. I like, yeah. So after they had like their initial hearings and they were setting like trial dates and stuff, the lawyer attempted to get the wife released from custody but the attorney general determined that it was unsafe to release her into public because she had had ample opportunities to get away from her husband and report the crime and including the fact that they both drove in separate vehicles to the campsite um, that's about 200 miles north of their home. He also stated that yes, she was cooperative, but only after they'd gotten caught. So 
it's almost like, is that actually how it was? Or are you using that as an excuse for your actions, hoping you'll get out of trouble? Yeah. Or like, well, basically, yeah, exactly. Like, they're just... So she had to stay in custody and she didn't want everybody to know what was going on. So they didn't name her in um, articles until after the trial, which happened super recently. So, oh, this is for old times, homies. So according to the police affidavit, the woman had told the investigators that her husband had gone through her phone the day of the murder and discovered that she was having an affair. She said that he repeatedly assaulted her that day. Um, like he, he was beating her and all these things and he, I don't know what that was supposed to say. It says put a fun in her mouth, but that's not what he did. A gun. That's what it was. A gun. He put a fun gun in her mouth. Uh, he repeatedly assaulted her and put a gun in her mouth and then he choked her until she passed out. Mm, And then later, yeah. And then later that night, the husband used his wife's phone to lure the boyfriend to the park where he violently assaulted the boyfriend and tried to force his wife to shoot him. So she refused to shoot him, obviously, whatever. And her husband forced the boyfriend to get into the back of his car, like the victim's car, not his car. Mm -hmm. Um, and then shot him in the back of the car three times. This just seems... And, and all while he had his wife driving the car to get away from the park. So, meanwhile, this woman could have thrown it in maximum overdrive and sped off and went and got to at least get help. The guy probably, you know, still would have died, but like... At least went and got help, but instead, yeah. Yeah. And the wife stated that she was forced to drive her boyfriend's car containing his body to the campsite where his body was disposed of, while her husband drove another vehicle, and then he told her that supposedly once the sun came up the next day that he was going to forgive her. What a fucking psycho. And I was thinking about it, like, I understand, like, where that district attorney was coming from, that, like, she didn't say anything until before then but if her husband was really that violent like maybe he tailgated her all the way up there and she really didn't have an opportunity to get away and maybe he's literally just treated her that way for so long that she's so scared to object to anything that he does like i mean honestly and then once you're done in your mind you probably think to yourself like well, now I can't say anything because I'm an accomplice to this. Like, I took part in the disposing of this body. I knew what was going on. So now I will get in trouble as well. Right. And so, yeah. Fuck these dudes. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Dudes ain't shit anyway. <laughs> so, once the couple reached the campsite, the woman said that her husband ordered her to cut off her boyfriend's head so that his body could not be identified by dental records. Jesus. And so then they buried the head... And then wrapped the rest of the body into a tarp. And then the husband left the campsite to dispose of the body. And then once that was done, then they returned home. So then three days later, on a Tuesday, um, two fish and game conservation officers found the campsite and noticed there was a lo- uh, and noticed that there was a large brown tarp. And later it was revealed that the tarp had been covering the boyfriend's car. 
So they left the car in the middle of the woods, like, at the campsite. These people are fucking morons. Yeah. They weren't even trying to get away with murder anyway. And then later, these same um, fish and game conservationists noticed that there was another object wrapped in a similar tarp in a shallow brook not that far from where the campsite was. And it turned out that that was the boyfriend's body. Now, it took them months to, like, figure out who it was that had done it. Like, it took them a while to figure it out. But once they did, like, they made the arrest and went after this lady. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, my husband did all this stuff and he made me do all these things. But she didn't come forward ahead of time. Like, it wasn't until they caught them. Like, right, so that's what it, that's why to me it also makes it seem like was that actually what happened, or are you trying to make him just seem really, really, really bad yeah. to get out of being in as much trouble? Yeah. So basically, like the the lawyers and all those things, they viewed it as a wife helping her husband dispose of the body, um, and they viewed that as a destruction of evidence because if she had successfully destroyed the evidence, then her husband very may well have evaded detection completely and never been arrested yeah so are these them down here at the bottom yeah um and they actually their trials have been postponed um so they're currently all being held without bail pending their trials but that is her all beaten up black and blue whatever that's her husband and then that was her boyfriend he was cute yeah what a dick. He was just jealous. That's why they chopped the head off. He's like, look at how attractive this guy is. Even dead, he's more attractive than me. Yeah. So he just was like, off with his head. <laughs> so, <clears throat> next up, we're headed to Georgia. Ooh, we're going down south. Yeah. So, in November of 2017, George Young was found shot to death on his front porch after coming home from his late night security shift. Ooh. Um, George's wife of 22 years, Tia Young, had been having an affair with a man named Harvey Timothy Lee. She and Lee plotted to murder George in order to collect on his $1 million life insurance policy. Ooh. Lee had been a longtime friend of the couple, and the affair had started earlier in 2017. It's like, we're talking, they've been, like, screwing each other for, like, five months, and then they put this together. And they're like, we're just gonna kill this dude. Yeah. And get the money. After she'd been married to him for 22 fucking years. What a whore. Like, right. So, at the time of his death, they had three children. Um, their ages were 8, 13, and 17. Oh my god. And at the time of the murder, um, Tia, obviously, because she's his wife, her mother... Um, her brother, and then all three of the kids were at home. So wait, they shot him on his front porch? He yeah. shot him on his front porch? Yeah. While they all were there? Yeah. Well, my assumption is that she had it done that way so that it took, um, yeah. it made it seem like it wasn't Well, and before, her. yeah, and before they had figured out that it was her and arrested her, um, she had told a reporter when they were talking to her, like, they were putting out messages into the community, like, trying to figure, like, to solve the crime. Mm -hmm. She, she told the reporter that her husband was a really good guy, and she cried, like, she sobbed over the idea that someone had targeted him. Like, 
She even went as far as to say, you took an innocent man from his wife and three children and a host of other friends and family that really, really loved him. She Which then, is probably true, though. Yeah. He probably was a good guy. Yeah. I mean, maybe not, but... Well, she may have just been like, I want the million dollars. Like, who fucking cares? Well, yeah, and it's probably different in that aspect. I mean, a pro- I mean, you were married to this guy for 22 years, so in your mind you can say, like, yeah, I want you to drive up and shoot him and kill him, but it's different to be planning that and then it actually happened. I feel yeah. like... But then, But then she said, if you can find it in your heart anywhere turn yourself in and just come clean it would mean the world to my family damn so she's literally like yeah well that's like that guy that killed his pregnant wife and his two daughters like him talking to the like camera people and all that about like how he just wished they'd come home that he missed them and like all this other stuff meanwhile he killed them all yeah fucking psycho So, on the night of the murder, both Tia and Tim were there when the police arrived. And Tim was supposedly, like, had just finished performing CPR on George. Mm -hmm. So, like, they got up from doing CPR when the cops got there. Anyway. Um, And Tia had, when she'd called in the shooting, she had told dispatch that she couldn't bring herself to perform CPR on her dying husband. Like... He's dying. I could give him CPR and save him, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Girl, just... Yeah, no. You a raggedy bitch for that. (laughs) And, um, on the night of the incident, Tia originally told detectives that she had heard gunshots outside of the home and cried while being interviewed, appearing to be a grieving wife. So... Detective said that as time went on, she began to show less and less emotion about her husband's death and kept changing her story in subsequent interviews. Detectives also said that when they first met her, she was upset and distraught, but in later interviews, her lack of emotion is what caused them to question her in the first place. This is my thing. With all these stories and everything... Before you, because you premeditated this crime, come up with your story, what your story is going to be, and just, and to the fucking T, you've got to like get it down and not change it. And you need to talk to Lee or whatever the guy, fuck that guy's name is. And if they ask you like, how, how is that possible? You'd be like, I don't know. That's just what happened. Right. Like, don't change it. All I can... All I can recall, I mean, it was a high-stress situation, man. Yeah. Okay, so Young was shot in the face and chest at around 11.25 p.m. And they got this based off of, like, when they talked to the neighbors, like, what time they heard the gunshots. Mm -hmm. Um, So the gunshots went off at about 11.25 p.m., and Tia did not call 911 until 11.31. So it took five minutes from the time that the gunshots went off until she called it in. Stupid. And Lee later admitted that during that time, he had gone and taken a tracking device off of Young's car. And then later, it was found that Lee had told officers and the 911 operator that he had done CPR on Young, but the medical examiner found zero evidence that any attempt at CPR had been done during the autopsy. Yeah, because any 
smart person knows literally CPR generally if you're Cracks ribs. Yeah, you break ribs, like there's gonna be bruising, there's yeah. Mm-hmm. At least attempt to give them CPR if you're gonna tell them you gave them CPR. Right. And it actually turned out that Lee had been living with the couple for about two years. Um, George had given him a job and a free place to stay when he found out that his longtime friend was out of work and had been living in hotels. What a good guy. So apparently no good deeds go unpunished because... Literally. Like, this guy, like, died because he helped his friend. So... Since the incident, both of them have been tried and convicted of felony murder, aggravated assault, and two counts of criminal attempt to tamper with evidence. And both have received life sentences, and Tia will be eligible for parole in 2049 when she will be 73 years old. And Lee, on the other hand, was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Which, so, and this is... I don't get that. They're lo- they're lovely faces for you. I don't have I didn't save George's picture, but she's got like bitch eyebrows. <laughs> like her eyebrows look at you like like her eyes look at you like don't even fucking look at me. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> so, I did another one just because I didn't know how long those two were going to take, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to do another one just to be safe. It's good. So, Our last stop takes us to Delaware. After nearly 30 years of marriage, Mark... I know I'm going to fuck this up. Mark Gerardot... Gerardot... Gerardot, yeah. And his wife, Janaire's relationship had grown strained, and he began to have an affair with Meredith Chapman, his boss at the University of Delaware, who was also struggling in her marriage and was 16 years younger than him. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So their affair, when it came out, like, destroyed both of their marriages. Like, there was all this stuff going on. And when Jenner found about it, like, it drove her over the edge. Like, she lost her shit. So she began conducting surveillance on her husband oh, by... Lord. By sewing recording devices into his clothes and tracking his phone. Oh my god. She relentlessly followed his comings and goings and learned many intimate details of his affair. Listen, ladies, if that's the extent you have to go to for a fucking dude, he is not worth it. I don't know if there's any crazy bitches listening to this right now, but he is not worth it, girl. He is not worth it. So, then, on April 23rd, 2018, Janair grabbed a gun, rented a car, and drove from their apartment um, to the house that Chapman had rented two weeks earlier to be able to take a new job as an assistant assistant vice president at Villanova University. Janair proceeded to break into the house through the front door and laid in wait for hours. When Meredith arrived home, Janaire shot her and then turned the gun on herself. Oh, shit. So, Mark got done with work, and he came home from work, and he found their bodies on the kitchen floor, and initially would not discuss what had happened publicly for two and a half years. 
So, after some time in therapy, the now 52-year-old has started sharing details of his marriage and the affair and the havoc that both have caused. So, (laughs) since their deaths, he has actually published a book called Irreparable, Three Lives, Two Deaths, One Story That Has to Be Told. Okay, so this must be the wife and this must be the girl she she killed. And he hopes that his book will serve as a warning to others that are in similar situations. Yeah. His wife was nutso. My guess is, is like, she was nutso and kind of like drove him away. And then the minute he actually left, then she went real crazy. Well, and in situations like that, I just feel like... It's so hard because what he is doing to her is wrong. Whether or not she's nuts or not, you're, you need to leave somebody the correct way. You need, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, damn. Yeah, and in that case, like, there's nobody to try because, like, it was a murder-suicide. So they can't really do any convictions of anyone. Like, he just has to live with it. She's like, I'm gonna take take the thing you want and myself and you can live a tortured life the rest (laughs) of your existence and remember that I took the one thing you loved from you I know my stories are not going to do yours justice because I already have an idea but I did what I could you did great thanks boo I just guess I'll entwined and things. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready to have my mind blown. Prepare to be amazed. Welcome to story time with Emily. Welcome to story time with Emily. That's me. <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to say, I picked the topic for this week. Crimes of passion. And I was like, I picked it and I was like, I don't really even know what I'm going to do. Because generally if I pick a topic, I already have like what I'm going to do in mind. But, you know, like my whole obsession with true crime, like I've already said 5,000 times. I find any way to incorporate it anymore because I've also discovered that true crime must be what you guys want to hear as well. So anyway, I watched a really brief like five, six minute video with Jennifer about like some of the most infamous crimes of passion and there was a case that came up that I was like, oh my god, I've heard people remark about this case but I had no idea who the people were, what the actual story was. All I knew that was there was a woman who had chopped her husband's dick off and thrown it out the window of her car. (laughs) Literally, that's all I knew. And then I discovered their names, which are John, Wayne, Bobbitt, and Lorena, Lenora, Leonor, Gallo. Anyway, these were the people. Or, well, John and Lorena Bobbitt. So I started looking more into the story and I got so engulfed in it and I was very passionate 
about the story once I figured out what it was and it wasn't just some crazy woman that decided to cut her husband's wang off. And the thing that actually made me want to talk about the story was a remark that Lorena made. So there is a show on Netflix called Lorena and, or not, not on Netflix, I'm sorry, it's on Amazon Prime called Lorena and it is a four part miniseries about the trial. And it goes super into detail. Like, it literally has conversation, like, interviews with Lorena, with John, with the judges, with uh, the jury, with the police, like, with witnesses, with friends, with family members, everybody. Like, it's very, it's it's a good-ass show. I got so enthralled. But um, the story is just so fucking wild. Um, but also, like, kind of devastating. So... Lorena stated, though, in the show that she knew she was only known as the woman who chopped off her husband's penis, <laughs> but that was all, and people made jokes about it and stuff, but they never took the time to, like, get to know what actually happened, like, in the trial and all that stuff. Right. So I was like, Lorena, I'm gonna tell your story, Emily style. Mm best style there is <laughs> yeah so Lorena Leonor Galeo I hope I said that right was born in Buque Ecuador on October 31st so she's a Halloween baby 1970 which also makes her a Scorpio Ooh. so Lorena grew up in Caracas Venezuela and she was the oldest of three children. So, um, and her father was actually a dental technician. So, and he paid pretty decently. So she actually grew up living like a mid-class lifestyle. So she wasn't like poverty, but she wasn't like rich. She okay. was just basically about where we are. <laughs> right? Well, like we have everything we need. Yeah. But like, yeah. Well, when Lorena turned 15, it's her quinceanera, obviously. And her aunt actually gifted her with a trip to the United States. So Lorena takes her trip and she has the time of her life. And she's like, I want to live in the United States. Like, I want to move there. So her parents did actually try to immigrate to America, but they were denied. So it wasn't until 1987 that Lorena obtained her student visa and finally was able to fulfill her lifelong dream of moving to America. <laughs> Which, <laughs> And then she enrolled in Northern Virginia Community College. The American dream. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, all those freaking student loans. Even though she'd probably get a lot of stuff paid for, huh? Mm-hmm. So then we have John Wayne Bobbitt, who was born in Buffalo, New York on March 23rd, 1967, which I'm pretty sure would make him an Aries, right? When? March 23rd, 1967. Yes. So John was one of three sons who actually ended up being removed from the care of his mother and was put in the care of his aunt and uncle who were already raising four boys of their own. So he grew up in a household with seven boys. Dang. I wonder how much weird gay shit went on. Probably a lot. <laughs> John did... There was a quote from John that stated, he said, 
My mother couldn't take care of us three. She had a mental breakdown. She was a nice lady. She tried to take care of us, but she couldn't. So then in John's early adulthood, he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. While, and while at the Marine Corps officers ball for singles, John Bobbitt met Lorena Gallo. And this was in 1988. Okay. So John described his first meeting with Lorena and it was kind of like, to me, insulting. He's talking about how she could barely speak English. He barely understood her. She barely understood him. But she was just so timid and quiet and cute. And he gave her his phone number. And, like, then it just kind of went from there. But to me, I was like, that... So you just went off of physical appearance then. Like... <laughs> so then on um, June 18th, 1989, so at 22 years old for John, 20 years old for Lorena, John and Lorena get married. And you have to like keep in mind when you are thinking that about this story, she has been living in Venezuela her whole life. She moves here, has such a barrier between communicating with everybody. Mm -hmm. She doesn't quite understand, navigate, and John is her first boyfriend. Yeah. So, like, this is all new. Everything that is happening to her here is all new to her. So, but Lorena did state in an interview that it took only a few short weeks after the wedding for John to become physically abusive with her. So she said that Fucking they had, it. yeah, they had left a bar where John had been drinking and she voiced her fear because he was driving dangerously and he was intoxicated and he got physically abusive with her. And she said after this, the violence just continued and progressively got worse. God. Um, Lorena stated that after the, their marriage, she had become pregnant and John forced her to get an abortion Wow. Um, and then he taunted her while they were at the clinic, telling her that she was most likely going to die during the procedure. Jesus. So this is happening. And I don't really know, like, the valid validity of what I read, so I'm saying it right now. I don't know how true it is or false, but I did read that because basically from what I perceived from the whole story was John was basically mooching off Lor Lorena. Like... She worked in a nail salon and they were basically primarily living off of her income after they got married because in none of the stories do I ever find anything out about anything he's doing for work until after they split because he, um, it's all just her working in these nail salons and him doing whatever the fuck he wants. So anyway, back to the story. So, in these things that I'm saying, I don't know what the validity of it is. I read that she would steal from her employers because they were having trouble pay paying their property taxes. And she would shoplift from stores, like, buy shoplift, like, dresses and stuff like that. Because she was so worried about her husband leaving her that she wanted to stay, like, attractive to him. Like, wanted yeah. to, you know. But, again, I don't know how valid that is, but I just want to throw that in there. So, um, 
And I think it actually got to the point that Lorena was actually doing really well for herself. I'm pretty sure she owned two nail salons. Ooh. Yeah. But there's so many reports of police being called to the to the Bobbitt household. And in February of 1991, John Bobbitt pled guilty to assault and battery charges that had been pressed against him by Lorena. The charges were eventually dismissed after John attended attended court-ordered counseling. Because that's all it takes, right? Just go to see a counselor. Go see a counselor and everything is fine. However, the couple did decide to separate in October of 1991. But then they reconciled a year later. Obviously got back together. I listened to so many things about Lorena talking about how John would just like bother her even like while the trial was going on like showing up at her work like begging her to forgive him begging her to go back like toxic ass men yeah (laughs) toxic and oh like I was saying in the part where I said I don't know what he was doing because he left the Marine Corps in 1991 yeah so there's just like this space of him just not doing anything that I could find anyway so, in April of 1993, John and Lorena moved into an apartment in Manassas, Virginia. And then on June 21st, 1993, Lorena filed for a protective order against John. So, don't mistake, like I was, I think I said this downstairs, but anyway. Don't mistake in a protective order for a restraining order. A protective order is basically the court saying this behavior needs to desist there mm-hmm. can be no harassment or, um, I know I wrote it down. Yeah, it doesn't mean they have to stay no, away from each other. Yeah, they, they have to stop to... the abuse or the harassment and it's court ordered. Well, obviously things didn't re- go very well because two days later, on June 23rd, 1993, John comes home inebriated after a night out with his friends. And like a lot of other nights, John proceeds to come in into bed and aggressively rape his wife. Um, the way that Lorena described the majority of the rapes that John would do to her was anally raping her. Jesus. No lubricant, nothing. She'd be bleeding, and he'd just think it was funny. Um, so, basically, the way that this all appears, Lorena finally snapped. So, John passed out drunk in bed after the altercation took place, like always. And Lorena gets up, and she's like, I need a glass of water. And she goes in the kitchen and she's looking around, you know, just thinking about her life. And, you know, I came to America to live this great life. And now I'm living this horror, horror story. And she sees the butcher's block on the counter with all the knives in it. And she's like, hmm, you know what? I've tried everything that I possibly can to like properly protect myself and nothing is happening. So I'm going to take care of it myself. <laughs> Grabbing one of the kitchen knives, Lorena went back into their bedroom where, where John was still fast asleep like a drunk fucking bastard. And she pulled back the blankets on the bed and she severed his dick off. <laughs> yes. My bitch. My bitch. She didn't just stop there either. She severed his penis off, grabbed it in her hand, grabbed the knife she severed his penis off with, got her shit, 
and left with the dick in her hand still. <laughs> and she just cruising down the road and she there's literally quotes from her being like, it was too hard to drive one-handed, so I just threw it out the window. <laughs> well, and that's like, because if she had left it there, like, and if he had called 911 right away, they could have reattached it. Like. Yeah. So she but if it's it. gone, like, how can they reattach it? Like, he'll, they'll never be able to rape someone again. <laughs> exactly. At least not with his dick anyway. Well, Lorena goes and takes shelter after she... Okay, so she rolls. She's driving. Okay, she's driving dick in hand, trying to steer with one hand, and still has a knife also, and she's like, shit, this is so hard. Shit. Well, I ain't gonna throw the knife out. What if they come for me? And so she, like, tosses the dick out the window, and she's just cruising. And she's like, I'm going to go to my friend's house. Well, she disposed of the knife in a public trash can. And I didn't pay close attention to it, but they finally got the knife. She told them where the knife would be, everything. She gets to her friend's house and calls the police and basically says, Yo, I chopped my husband's dangalang off, threw it out the window on I-25. <laughs> right there by that beautiful field of cows and dandelions. <laughs> And so basically, the police go out on the pursuit of finding this penis. And they spent hours combing through foliage, like gravel, weeds, I don't know what else, mud, just to try to find this dick. Cow pies. Probably. <laughs> I hope it was. I hope. I hope to God. It was just standing straight up in a cow pie, just fucking... But dick down, like fucking the cow pie. But anyway, so they find so the raw dick. Side up. Basically, yeah. <laughs> they find the penis, and somebody cleans it with the antiseptic, packs it with saline ice, and then was en route to the hospital to begin the lengthy nine and a half hour surgery to reattach John's penis. Oh, so penis. they still reattached it. Uncertain whether his penis would be able to continue to function properly, they continued on in the procedure. Lo and behold, the penis turns out fine. The penis works. John well, actually well. has no complaints about his penis and neither do any of his lovers. But we'll get there. So, the case of John Bobbitt and Lorena... Gallo was kind of hard for me to follow on a timeline, especially because I'm looking into the case after it's all happened. So it's like there's all this information available in all these different places. So it's very difficult for me to really place a strong timeline. Yeah. So you have to like build your own timeline. So yeah. yeah 28 years after the, the incident actually happened is when I'm getting into the incident. So just like every story, there's two sides to what happened. So there are stories stating that Lorena used to be physically abusive towards John at the time. And friends even said that she'd like clawed him across the face. Like, well, um, I would claw somebody across the face if yeah. they were doing shit to me. So Well, then he tried to turn around and say his physical abuse was only retaliation to her physical abuse. And the only time he ever got physically abusive was to stop her. That was what he was trying to do. But... John was actually ended up being acquitted of all rape and battery charges, due, which blows my fucking mind because any interview you watch, listen to, like, he changes his story so much. Like, it goes from 
that they never even had sex that night. Then to she tried to instigate sex, but then got mad because he was too tired to perform. And oh no, then it was they did have sex, but it was consensual. Like he had so many different versions of this night and what had happened, but still somehow he ended up being acquitted of all of it. And I'm assuming he got acquitted because they felt bad for him because he had his dick cut off for 2.5 seconds. Basically, yeah. I mean, it was hours, but, you know. So there was even one witness in that show that I was watching who was an outside witness, had never even met the husband. She was a client who would go to Lorena to get her nails done. And she said she had sat down and Lorena had gotten out the stuff to do her nails. And you know how, like, you go to do somebody's nails, you're going to roll your sleeves back. And she said all around Lorena's wrists were just, like, purple. Mm -hmm. And um, she saw that she looked at him and she pulled her sleeves back down really fast. And the girl was like, um are you okay? Something, something. And I guess she ended up like breaking down to this like customer Mm -hmm. basically. And just telling her, you know, like my husband has been doing this to me. I don't know what to do. I've tried to get help like this, this and that. And this lady was basic. And she, and the thing even was like, I was calling her Lana, like L E N A. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I, she's like, I didn't even know her. I was saying her name wrong. She didn't even correct me. She was so nice. Like, and she didn't even know anything about the trial till like way later on because she was a single mom I think raising these kids and she's talking about how the trial had already been going on and it wasn't till she started reading something and she's like wait that's that girl Mm -hmm. and she contacted her lawyer and was like I don't know if my testimony will help but like this is what I experienced, and I don't even know them like that. Like, thank you. Like, if you listen to this podcast by chance someday, thank you. Like, it is always better to say something than stay quiet. Yeah. Like, staying quiet helps no one but the bad the bad guy. Like. Mm-hmm. But, um. I guess Lorena had told her, like, I can't leave. He'll kill me. Like, he's told me he'll... Because fi- he would tell her that, like, I will find you anywhere you go. Like, I will rate... Like, basically told her, like, I will have sex with you when I want to, when I- where I want to. Like, no matter where you go, I will find you. Like, all this other shit probably threatened her with, like, getting her deported or whatever else. Like What a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Um, so Lorena had made one remark in the beginning of the trial that had kind of hurt her in the very, very beginning because she had told the police, he always have orgasm and he doesn't wait for me ever to have orgasm. He's selfish. So from the beginning, a lot of people considered it like, oh, this just, this crazy woman cut her husband's dick off because he didn't wait for her to have an orgasm. So that did kind of hurt her in the beginning, but it was mostly due to the fact that there was that large, large language barrier. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, she was trying to represent herself. And it was just like with the language barrier, she couldn't. Yeah. So she did finally find an attorney and her attorney's name was Lisa Kimmel- Kimmler. So then in the end, the jury found Lorena also not guilty. But that was by reasons of insanity, causing an irresistible impulse to sexually wound her husband. I mean, good for them. But this is where 
I felt really bad. Like, I felt super bad in the show because Lorena's like, they said I wasn't guilty, but they didn't let me leave because not guilty by reasons of insanity. Basically, you have to then she was given a court order that she had to stay for a 45 day psychiatric evaluation at central state hospital in Petersburg, Virginia. So she goes into the psychiatric hospital for 45 days and, but she did end up being released obviously when it was over. Um, They probably needed to see like if there were long-term effects that would make it so she would do things like that repeatedly. I mean, it makes sense, but it does suck. Like, you're not guilty, but you gotta go be here for 45 days. Right. Well, and this was in, like, early 90s. Those mental hospitals, I don't think the state of them was... Well, and that was still kind of before people started to understand more about mental illness. Mm Mm-hmm. Like... Because I guarantee, though, if this happened nowadays, she would have been found guilty. Probably. I mean, and she's not. I I 100% agree. I think he deserves a lot. Well, we'll get there. So, honestly, the strangest thing about the entire case to me, like in my general opinion, are the things that happened after the trial was over. Right. So, John first tried to make a profit from his pain by starting a band called The Severed Parts. I thought you were going to tell me he wrote a book like my dude did. No, girl. He stated that this was a way to try to help him him with paying hospital bills that had piled up since the incident occurred. But I will say I'm proud of the world. This this plan failed. (laughs) (laughs) And the band is no longer with us. But then, John went on to star in not just one, but two adult films. One being John Wayne Bobbitt, Uncut. And then the other being Frankenpenis or John Wayne Bobbitt's Frankenpenis. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will not lie that, like, I kind of want to watch them only because I want to see what the dick be looking like. Like, it's called Frankenpenis. What does this dick look like? <laughs> does it have, like, electric bolts on the side? <laughs> Ribbed for Harry her Potter. pleasure. <laughs> the boy who lived. <laughs> so, okay. The first adult film was supposed to be a way for him to show off that his member still worked because he was so concerned with everybody thinking that he just had this, like, limp, unoperable dick. So he had to, like, show it off to the world. Okay, gotcha. But the second one was him... He literally allowed them to film him getting a penis enlargement surgery. What? That ended up being a botched surgery. Uh. So serves his raggedy ass right. <laughs> and John had been arrested in 1994. Only Is that why it's Frankenweenie? Yeah, Frank, Frankenpenis. <sighs> yes, we're going to have Frankenweenie. That's a movie. That's a kids movie, bitch. <laughs> Frankenpenis, whatever. Is that maybe what Frank and Weedy is? The oh my God. kid rated version of John Bobbitt's fucking porno? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? No. Oh, this story is based on true events. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, okay. I can't, I can't hold myself. So, but yes, he had a botched penis enlargement surgery. Surgery right, motherfucker. But in 1994, so this was only a year after the incident happened with Lorena, John was arrested in Las Vegas for striking Chris, Christina Elliott, a 21-year-old 20 year former exotic dancer. And then he was found guilty... So he was convicted of battery and sentenced to 15 days in jail on August 31st, 1994. So, wow. Let's just beat the shit out of a girl and um, you only get to serve 15 days. So, well, um, yeah, and you would think they'd look at his history and be like, mm, maybe this guy really that, should be in prison for a while. That time. has been my whole thing. When I was doing all this research, I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? And I was just... I was, I was like doing my research. Mom is sitting over here and I'm like, mom, listen to this, listen to this. And I'm like, and this motherfucker did this and he did this. And I'm just like, wow. Wow. Okay. So 1999, John was sentenced to probation after a theft charge he was convicted of in Nevada, which that would have been it for John probation. If, if. He would have just learned to not be the world's biggest fucking douchebag. <laughs> but unfortunately, he didn't learn from any of his prior mistakes. And he proceeded to end up being arrested for beating the shit out of his wife at the time, Joanna Farrell. And then he was sent to prison for, or to jail, I'm sorry. Sent to jail for violating his probation. Or maybe it was prison. No, yeah, it was prison. Now... Would he have gone to jail if he hadn't been violating probation? Like, if he wasn't on probation and he'd beat the shit out of his wife, would he have gone to prison? No, probably not. It was just because it violated the terms of his probation. Like, yeah. so, after all of this, he, he proceeded to beat his wife two more times and was charged two more times for battery against his wife before deciding to file for divorce under the name John Farrell because his wife was Joanna Farrell. So I'm assuming he kind of did like Lorena with using a different last name to try to get away from the Bobbitt thing. Probably. But, I mean, John Bobbitt, you're a dick, so that shit should follow you everywhere you go to the end of time. So that's all I pretty much have on John. So... Then Lorena did pretty well um, with flying under the radar after the trial and everything. She had min There was minimal stuff about her. She was arrested in December of 1997 and faced with charges of assault because she attacked her mother while they were watching television and punched her mom in the face and her brother had to break it up and whatever. And the charges ended up being dropped Her and her mom continued living with her or whatever. Um, there's really no, I couldn't find anything about what the fight had even been about, what was going on, but then in 2007, Lorena began working at a salon in Washington, D.C., and that same year, Lorena founded Lorena's Red Wagon Organization, which she founded to help prevent domestic violence through family-oriented activities. That's nice. And I think that's awesome. Being someone who survived this, like, horror of a marriage and being physically and emotionally abused, raped, sodomized, like, yeah. by this person, 
she really like let herself grow from that experience instead of letting that experience define her. Right. So I think that's awesome. And I definitely feel like people should watch the show Lorena because it was really, really good. Um, and also the thing that I thought was really awesome about the show is it also brings into light like other cases and it shows you how John and Lorena's case brought so much light onto domestic violence and marital rape because a lot of women are led to believe that they are meant to please their husbands. So a lot of women don't think when I say I don't want to have sex and he forces me to have sex with him, they don't think it's rape because they're married to him. But it, it is rape. If it is against your will, it is rape. Yeah. And so I think it kind of opened up a lot of things and it plays, it shows a lot about like Bernie Sanders and the way he had, um, pushed for like, um, a lot of like the women's rights and stuff like that and the spousal abuse. And then it also shows like stuff about Joe Biden, like fighting for the women's rights and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, it's really like, it's just an all around interesting show. So if you have Amazon prime, you should watch it. And, oh yeah. So people tell you you're not allowed to say no, honey, say no. And if people de be disrespecting you and you tell them no and they still keep disrespecting you, honey, handle that shit, sis. <laughs> handle it. Lorena Bobbitt style if you got to. <laughs> and the, we were watching... I thought I'd found a video about the case the other night. I was sitting down in Jennifer's basement and I opened a video and it was about somebody trying to rape this girl. And I don't know where I, I want to say Chicago, but I don't know if that's really where it was. But this guy had tried to force her to perform oral sex on him and she bit his dick off. And I was like, yes, girl, bite it off. Bite the whole thing. Take the whole thing I mean, honestly, dude, that's smart. Like, that, and then you'd have plenty of time to run because they'd be too busy freaking out about their dick. And you couldn't be in any trouble because they were literally raping you. Like, yeah. I love it. Bite them off, girls. Everyone should do that in that situation. Just bite it off. But. Man, and they would lose a lot of blood quick, too. I know. That throbbing boner. <laughs> that throbbing wang. <laughs> throbbing oh, members. Oh, Lord. Those severed parts. <laughs> Save me, Jesus. <laughs> I really hate John Bobbitt. And, like, I was watching that show and his interviews, like, him talking. He's talking about how, like, oh, I didn't mention it in here, and I meant to he's still so she had told oprah back in i want to say probably gonna botch the um the month and whatever but i'm pretty sure it was may 2009 she told oprah that she had no interest in having any contact or anything with john she didn't want to see him or anything like that and then turned around the next month and then had an interview on another show 
and it was her and John on it. And John was like apologizing to her about like the way he treated her in their marriage and like that he still loved her, this, this and that. And she even will say he still sends her Valentine's Day cards, still sends her love letters, like still sends her flowers. Like, and you're trying to sit here and say you didn't do this stuff to this woman. Yeah. But if she was lying on you like that, you would not be. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. And she's cute as fuck. She's blonde now. He's the one who needs to be fucking institutionalized, not her. Oh, I know. Well, and haven't you ever heard Marines are supposed to be, like, crazy? Well, yeah, but... He didn't even serve, though, I don't think. I don't think he did anything. No, I don't even think he left the U.S. He probably went to, like, basic training and then got out. Well, he was there from 88 to 91. Well, yeah, usually when you sign up, you have to be, I think, two years or something like that. Yeah, you do, like, a contract. or something like that. Sucks that the only way to get out of a contract is to die. (laughs) But basically, I'm here to say, sis, a man be disrespecting you, it ain't none of good that bitch off. Well, and there was so much, like, um, they were talking about how Diane Sawyer wanted an interview with her, and she showed up, like, when, where she was being held at, and she was telling the, um, attorneys and whatever that she was, was it Barbara Walters? Diane Sawyer? It was one or two, one or the other, that she had interviewed this person, this person, this person, this person, and she was not leaving without her interview. And they basically told her on the phone, like her people on the phone, like, well then I guess you're going to be here for a really long time because she's not, you're not getting that interview. (laughs) And because she was supposed to be going for a psych analysis and shit. Mm -hmm. And they were all wanting to just like come in and talk to her and have these interviews with her. And they knew that like that would upset like the cycle. Like she was supposed to be going to have these, and she, they didn't want, like, the really hardcore, like, feminists, like, getting in. Because yeah. she had so many. There was, like, so much support from, like, the feminists and yeah. all that stuff. And, you know. He, like, moved to Vegas after all that happened. And he literally had no work experience or anything. So, I mean, he did all these different things. Ranging from, like, being a limo driver to um, being... A door person at a nightclub like he did all these weird things weird random like construction work stuff like that but he never did anything with himself hmm. so Lorena you better off anyway bitch definitely even if he hadn't done that stuff to you you're still better off and guess what bitch he ugly he aged real bad and you're blonde now bitch and you look great she looks great Oh, my phone's plugged in downstairs. But yeah, that's John and Lorena Bobbitt. It's crazy. Well, guys, we hope that you enjoyed episode 52. Love stinks. Yeah, yeah. What are some other ones? Your love is like pain medicine. Unbreak my heart. <laughs> Say love me again. Undo this hurt you caused when you walked out the door and walked out of my life. Uncry these tears. I've cried so many 
Is it nights? Unbreak <laughs> my Beautiful. I'm basically Tony Braxton. Basically. <laughs> but anyway, you're her sister from another mister. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I'm done. That's it. That's what's up. I'm done. Anyway, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Yes. And we will see you next week. Yes. And as always, can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Um and Twitter. You can send us emails to Beauty and the Screams at gmail.com. I'm gonna try it. B E A U T Y A N D T H E S C R E A M S at G M A I L dot C O M. Good job. <sighs> I spelled it out in my head. I was like writing it in my head. I had to. Cl- I was closing my eyes and like reading it along with you, and she spelled it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we were on the same page. Oh, anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. Bye. Thank, thank you thank for you. your support. Thank you for your love. We love you so much. Don't forget to stop by uh, Etsy.com/slash/shop/slash/GypsyCreations319 to grab your merch. I'll put a link in the bio. Deuces, baby. Deuces.